0: Now, by the way, it is, it is really fitting that while we are planting church, we are in the book of Haggai, right? Because the book of Haggai, if nothing else, is all about building God's house. So today, we are in, today we are in Haggai chapter, uh, chapter 2, right? Haggai chapter 2, and I've entitled today's sermon, Halal. I'll explain it very shortly when I get to my first point. But for now, Haggai chapter two, verses 10 to 19. I'm gonna read it from my own Bible. I'm gonna click it along for you so you can follow it on the screen, okay? But I'm gonna read it so that I can pace it for you a little bit better. Haggai chapter two, verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet. Thus says the Lord of hosts, ask the priests about the law. If someone carries holy meat in the fold of his garment and touches with his fold bread or stew or wine or oil or any kind of food, does it become holy? The priest answered and said, No. Then Haggai said, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches any of these, does it become unclean? The priest answered and said, it does become unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so it is with this people and with the nation before me, declares the Lord. And so it is with every work of their hands and what they offer there is unclean. Let me read it from this slide. So it is. Right? Then Hagar answered, "'So it is with this people, with this nation before me, "'with every work of their hands, what they offer is unclean. "'Now then, consider from this day onward, "'before stone was placed upon stone in the temple of the Lord. "'How did you fare? "'When one came to a heap of twenty measures, There were but 10. When one came to the wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were but 20. I struck you and all the product of your toil, with blight, with mildew, with hail, yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider... Is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, fig tree, pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing, but from this day on I will will bless you. Father, we just pray, Father God, that you will take this Word today and you will multiply it. You cause this Word to be a nourishment for your people. Father, I pray that as you cast the Word, the seed of your Word, Father God, they will fall on good soil and when it falls, Father, it will take root, it will grow, it will stretch out, it will become a, 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 a refuge for all kinds of life. So Father, we thank you. May I decrease, may you increase, in Jesus name we pray amen amen now there is a lot going on in this text okay in fact there is so much going on here that as i read it i realized that actually you can preach two sermons from this text because there is a whole first part which deals with uncleanness and sin and how it infects us. And then there is a whole second part that deals with fruitlessness, which is, which is a kind of like byproduct of, of the uncleanness, but fruitlessness and how that's a form of God's discipline and how we are supposed to respond to that. Now, I'm going to camp out in the first part today, because I don't have, unless we're going to stay till lunch, but we won't, right? So I'm going to camp out in the first half and deal with this issue of sin and uncleanness. And I want to show you two things, two effects of uncleanness in our lives. The first one is this, that sin contaminates. Everybody say, sin contaminates. And the second one is this, that sin is contagious. Everybody say this with me sin is sin is con- sin contaminates and sin is contagious but uh, this is just going to be kind of like the first part of my sermon and I don't want to be overly preachy on this thing so uh, somewhere along the line I'm going to take off my preacher's hat I want to put on a pastor's hat and I want to get into the grime with every one of you and help you and help each other fight the battle against uncleanness, to fight the war on sin. You know why? Because there must be combat. Everybody say combat. Number three, there must be combat. And as, as we shared just now, ordinary hands, feet of clay, some point, we will fail. Number four, there must be cleansing. Yeah? So, contaminate, contagious, combat, cleansing, Let's start with the first one. Sin contaminates. Where's the text? The bit in red that I've highlighted for you, it says, if someone who is unclean by contact with a dead body touches the oil, touches the the food, touches the stew, touches the anything, does it become clean? The answer is does it become unclean? The answer is yes, it does become unclean. You know, Pastor Chu shared uh, this part of Haggai to all of us on the pastoral team uh, towards the end of last year. And uh, it's kind of what he calls the, the dirty dishes passage, right? And this is the illustration. If you take a clean dish and you put it into a sink full of dirty dishes, does the clean plate make all the dirty dishes clean? The answer is no. Now, if you take a really dirty dish and you bring it to a, to, to a stack of clean plates and you put the dirty dish on the clean plates, does the dirty dish make the clean plates dirty? The answer is yes. At the very heart of this is the issue of contamination. Here's the thing, right? As Christians, if I may say so myself, that... We don't really have very good, very strong categories to think of sin as contamination. Maybe more often, we think about sin as in terms of punishment. I've done something wrong, I better confess, I better be forgiven by God. If not, I will get punished. We think about sin in punishment terms. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just that it's one way and the mo- probably the most often way we think about sin. Now, if like me, you come from a non-Christian background, uh, you may also think about sin in accounting terms. Right? So I've racked up all this, all this sin, all this bad karma. Now I guess I have to do some charity, do some good work, be nicer to people, be more this, be more that in order to offset all the bad things I've done in the past. We think of sin in punishment terms, and we think of sin in accounting terms, but we rarely think of sin as a contaminant. But I tell you, I tell you who, who in this world, probably right outside our doorstep, knows how to think about contamination issues. And they live all their days with a very strong heightened awareness about contamination issues, right? The Jews and the Muslims. They do. I mean, the Jews, they've got like two different kitchens, right? And their kosher laws are so strict. I don't even know like precisely what they do in which kitchen, like the milk in one kitchen, the meat in the other kitchen and stuff like that. But how many of us have gone to a Jewish home and sat down in their house to eat, right? But you know who else lives in the daily heightened awareness about contaminants? It's our Muslim friends. It's our Muslim neighbors. You know why? Because whenever they eat, their food must be halal. Their food must be halal. And so, every day, they are very aware about issues of contamination. Now, We as Christians, now you and I, we may disagree with them about what makes food clean or unclean, but that's not the point. The point is, we as Christians who say we have the mind of Christ, should we not ourselves be even more heightened in our awareness and in our vigilance about the contaminating power of sin, the power of sin to contaminate our hearts? Surely we must be more sensitive. If we say, we have the mind of Christ. So today, we need to see this. Sin contaminates. You know, friends, a lot of time when you talk about contamination, okay, let me tell you a story, right? Let's, let's loosen up. Let me tell you a story about my wife's clan, right? Now, I didn't, know, I kind of knew this when I married her, but I didn't fully know this until one day we were married already and I I went out for a walk. Actually, I ran out for a run, okay? So I went out for a run, and then I came back. I came back, and I was standing in our our bedroom, and my wife had taken a nap. So she was just kind of like stirring from sleep, and I was standing next to the bed, and I started talking to her, and she suddenly starts freaking out, okay? And she goes like, oi, oi, go, back off, back off. I'm like, what? What's going on? It's she's like, you're dirty. As it turns out, right, the hem of my running shorts was pressed up against our mattress, okay? And she was like, it's dirty! It's dirty! You've gone outside, you've come in, it's dirty. Stand there. I'm like, what's wrong with you, woman? Who, that's not dirty. That's not how germs work, you know? And we anyway, started so, uh, you know what? You know what? Do your premarital counselling properly. So you settle all these things before you get married, right? Don't settle it after you, you're married and you go for a run. Hey, by the way, uh, by the way, my wife, like I said, my wife's whole clan is like this, okay? So, so it's good lah, hygiene is good, but they're all like this one, you know? So. So one Christmas, we, had, we were all gathered and then all, all the in-laws, who happens to be all the uncles and the brothers-in-law, right? Because they're family all women. All. So, so all the uncles and the brothers-in-law were gathered and inadvertently we started sharing stories about the hygiene standards that our respective wives keep in our respective homes. And by the way, we don't plan one, okay? We didn't gather to so kind of like have, we, we had gathered there and this was real time. And then, and so one of the men uh, kind of like asked this open question say, hey guys, you know, huh, if you are at night, you're gonna go to sleep and you're wearing your pajamas. And then you go downstairs, you sit on the sofa, you watch TV for five minutes, you turn off, you go back upstairs. What must you do? The whole room, okay, all the men say, you have to change your (laughs) pyjamas. And we're like, yeah, where did that come from? Yeah, where did that come from? What's wrong with this? Anyway, so, are your families like this? Like, upstairs clothes and downstairs clothes, like, like marketing money and clean money, do you all have that? No, I see most of you are shaking. Your head. Okay, la. so you probably don't understand contamination issues the way I do, okay? The way my wife's clan does, okay? I love them, I love them. Some of them are in this church, so please, uh, please uh, don't kill me. Uh. Let me give you one that you definitely will understand. Moms and dads who cook in your kitchen, raise your hands, raise your hands. People who cook in your kitchen, raise your hands. It's so few are, uh. hey, what's this? Everybody grab fooding. Raise your hands, raise your hands, yeah. Okay. One night, you come into your kitchen. You turn on the light. And there, in your cast iron quality, the beautiful black thing, you walk up and you suddenly see there is a rat. There is a rat in your kuali. And it's not just a rat. It's a rat and her two little baby rats suckling on her. uh, Cannot, cannot. Gross, cannot. And then you see them and you're startled and they see you and they're startled and then they get up and they run out of your your kuali and they hide somewhere behind the cupboard and you go like, oh, sick, sick. Now, all of you who raised your hands just now, how many of you would take that kuali and throw away. <laughs> right? 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 Okay. Now, what if I told you that if you give it to me, I can sterilise that quality super proper. I'll disinfect it in whatever way. I will make it super clean. I can scientifically prove to you that this quality is restored and perfectly clean. Would you? Would you? No, right? Why? Because Dirty already because it has been contaminated. It's ruined. That quality for you is ruined. You can't see that Kuali without seeing that rat and her two babies inside anymore. You just can't, right? You just can't. Now, can I tell you this? Can I tell you this? This is probably the closest that all of us Christian types can get to understanding why our Muslim brothers and sisters cannot eat in the same kopitiam as us. Okay? So sometimes I know, lah, I know, we say, well, last time ah, when I was growing up, they used to eat in the same kopitiyam. How come no, okay, cannot? Ah? Oh, yeah, why ah? must be so strict? Ah? Why so extremist? Ah? Why can't they just uh, pick out the meat? Hey, bro, it's not about whether they eat the meat or don't eat the meat, it's a contamination issue. It's a contamination issue, and we should be gracious enough to give them the benefit of a doubt that they've searched their own scriptures and they know what they're doing, right? Never mind them. How about us? How about us? Do we think about sin like those three little rats inside that quali so that it just grows, it just it defiles, it sickens us? We feel like we want to gag, it's disgusting. Do you think like sin of sin that way? Or do you think, can one lie? a bit la one rat once in a while, nothing one la? Hey, bro, you don't, right? Then why you don't think of sin that way? Think of sin that way. Man, if I got one prayer for today's whole sermon, is that when you walk out, you don't think of sin in the same way anymore. It is disgusting. It is putrid. It's vile. It's just icky and gross. I hope, I hope we can all leave this place thinking of sin that way. Because God sees sin that way. And when that contamination gets onto you, hey, by the way, if, if those rats are behind the cupboard, you know what you're going to? You're going to disinfect the whole kitchen, right? Because everything it touches, like on your, on your dish rack, you've got like this baby milk bottle with the rubber nipple there. And can you just imagine the, the, the rat kind of gnawing away at there? You won't, right? You, will disin, you won't even disinfect. You'll throw everything. Why? Because contamination nation. Now, in Haggai, in Haggai, you know what God said? Even the works of their hands, the works, even their offering became unclean. Which means that if you, man, if you're sinning and you're living in sin and whatever it is, you're contaminated and you come and you put a brick into the temple of God. So as to say that you come and you serve in the house. Can I say, do you realize what you're doing? you realize that you're contaminating the house. Oi, serious, Really a pastor? Really, are like that. Let me give you one more example. You know, in the book of Zechariah, which actually, by the way, is happening real time with Haggai. In Zechariah chapter 3, the high priest himself, Joshua, is standing before the Lord and you know what's happening? Satan is accusing him to his face. Until, you know why Satan's accusing him to his face? He was wearing filthy vestments. He was wearing filthy clothes. That is to say that he was unclean and God had to rebuke Satan and silence him and tell Joshua, I will clothe you with righteousness. I will remove your iniquity from you. And after that, then the accuser was fully silenced. SIBKL, do you want to stand before God every day. And all the works of your hands, Satan is accusing you, saying, unclean, unclean, filthy, full of sin. Do you want that? Or do you want to stand before the king of kings? Cleansed. You want to stand before the king of kings? Halal. S-I-B-K-L, do you want to stand before God? Halal. Sin contaminates. And that's the first one. And the second one is a bit like it, but it's not exactly like it. Sin is contagious. Sin is contagious. Now, I can tell you one thing, friends. You don't need me to stand here and tell you that contagion issues are the, is the number one thing on everybody's minds for the last week. You know, I, uh, by the way, today we've got a... Uh, We've got hand sanitizers outside at the round pillar in the lobby. Please go out and use it. I totally understand. You know, I, I, know, of, I know of people who are stockpiling hand sanitizers and face masks. I understand. I totally understand. I also know people who are stockpiling tin food, you know, because they're scared of some kind of a, a thing. I'm not sure. I haven't reached a place where I can understand that yet, but it's okay. It's okay. But you know what? Why? why do we have such a strong reaction to the coronavirus? Because it is a contagious virus. You know what? I was just, I was just talking to, 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 to one of my guys and, and he was just telling me, you know more people have died in the last few days through road accidents than through the coronavirus? It's like, yeah, I know, I know, right? It kind of puts things into perspective. But you know why you're not so scared of road accidents? Because you feel you can control it. Because it's not contagious. Road accidents is not contagious. But you're afraid of this coronavirus because why? Everybody's afraid, why? Because you've, it feels like it's out of your control. Somebody sneezed, and then like, who knows? Somebody coughed, you don't know. Man, I think that if I cough here from the pulpit right now, there'll be a stampede going out of the, like, <laughs> bomb Exit is there, there, and at the back, there's one more, okay? <laughs> but sin is contagious. Sin, too, is contagious. And I was just checking the latest stats now. The mortality rate for the coronavirus is 2 in 100. Um, but, but some people say it might, it might rise. Some, other people say if you take out the Wuhan area, it goes down to 0.3. So, so now that's not the point. The point is that, you know, what's the mortality rate for sin? 100 in 100 die. It's just that we don't feel it because the the, the impact is not immediate. And when the impact is not immediate, we think, oh, it's okay, Lord. I can just walk into it. Actually, I'm okay one. You know why? Because Christ in me is my hope of God. Hey, come on, la friends. You want to walk into sin? You want to now sometimes we think that we are impervious to sin. Sometimes we think that we have this, this immunity to 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 no matter how how intense, how immersive, how saturated, how pekat is the sinful atmosphere, you think you can just walk in and survive. You know what? No. Sin is contagious. That's why Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says, "'Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked, who does not stand in the way of sinners, who does not sit with mockers.'" Why? Why is the man not blessed when he walks with the wicked, when he stands with sinners, when he sits with mockers? Because wickedness and sin and, and, and mockery is contagious. And you don't think that you can just walk right into it. Now, I understand, we can't all uh, control whether you work in an atmosphere where the people there is super toxic atmosphere and you have to be witness to a lot of sinful activity. Now, some of us, we can't control I understand. Some of us, we can't control what kind of dinner table atmosphere we go home to every day because sometimes it's our parents, sometimes it's our whatever family, whatever it is. Sometimes we live with housemates. We can't. I understand. But friends, what are you watching? Because the Bible says, ma, your eye is the lamp of your body, right? So you let in filth. It's going to contaminate you. It's going to be contagious. It's going to get onto you. What are we watching? What thumbnails are we tapping on? What games are we playing? What sites are we reading? What apps are we swiping left and right on? Careful or not careful? You know, friends, I had, not too long ago, I had a, one, one of the guys came, uh, young adult guys, came and asked me and said to me, uh, Pastor, I'm going to enter into an industry that is very dark, but I want to enter the industry because I want to bring the light of Christ there. S I B K L. Should this guy go into a very dark industry in order to bring the light of Christ there? Can, cannot, yes, no? I tell you the pastor's problem. If I say, no, bro, you shouldn't, you know what he's going to say? I ah, said, you guys, pastor's always the same. La. You want to withdraw from culture, become irrelevant. Set, set, set up your own Christian ghettos, you know? That's, that's all we have, yeah. Don't be involved in it. In, no, that's not what I mean. But if I say yes, then how? Okay, la, bro, go. He'd die, man, if he's not prepared, right? He would die. So actually, the answer is not so much whether it's a yes or whether it's a no. The real issue underneath is is this. Are you going to influence the culture or is the culture going to infect you? right? Because maybe you go into the industry and everybody there respects you. You're super competent in your field. You're super well regarded. You're super credible. And the moment you open your mouth, everybody in the industry listens to you. If that is the case, then prayerfully and with the strong support of your, of your whole church community and family, go because God has prepared you to be a light in darkness. Go. But you know what? If you go into the industry and nobody knows you, everybody thinks you're stupid, or you open your mouth, nobody listen to you, you're not credible, you're not competent, you do the work also not very good, and then whatever it is, nobody cares about you, you go in, you go in, see how? Sure die, you know why? Because you're not the boss of that place. You're not the strong man in that place. They are the strong man, and the strong man will always infect the, the weaker man with the culture of that place. So friends, Should this guy go? Should this guy not go? I don't know. But for ourselves, can we think about whether... Now, look, I'm not asking... I don't want you to to, 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 to withdraw. We're not asking you to withdraw from culture. But we are also not asking you to be foolhardy. We're asking you to be vigilant and wise and prayerful. Amen? Amen? Sin is contagious. Now, it's Chinese New Year, right? It's Chinese New Year. Sometimes Chinese New Year, I Pastor, small matter la. Why you make such a big deal? Nothing la. I, I play small, small amount of money, nothing I can't afford to lose. Every Chinese New Year, you touch gambling. Every Chinese New Year, you touch, you touch getting you touch drunkenness. And right next to you, your son is watching you. He's watching you. Do you not think that for him it won't be contagious? Your daughter's sitting there watching you, you think it won't be contagious? Look, the coronavirus is called a novel virus. You know why it's called a novel virus? It's because before it became what it is today, it mutated out of something more safe. And it has now mutated and become something more lethal, more more dangerous. And now it's new. That's why, because we've never experienced it before. That's what it is. Now friends, if you pass on, you touch filth and you pass it on to the next generation, do you not think that maybe somewhere in the transmission that the virus of sin will not mutate and become even more lethal for your next generation? You say, no lah pastor, where God? This is nonsense that You're comparing virus with sin, not the same thing. Then maybe we should all go home and pull up our Old Testament and read the stories and compare the life of King David and compare his sins with the life of King Solomon, his son, and his sins, and compare him to Rehoboam, his son, and his sins, and all the sons that came after. And then you come, and we can have a conversation about whether or not the virus of sin, when, it con- when it's contagious and it falls onto the next generation, whether it becomes even more lethal. I tell you this, if you're not careful, your son will double your blinds because he will have double your blind spots. Be careful careful. Sin is contagious. But you know what? I'm going to shift gears because I don't want to be overly preachy about this Sin does contaminate. Sin is contagious. I want to take off my preacher's hat right now and wear a pastor's hat and I want to get down into the muck and the mire and the grime and all the, and, all, and, and all the difficult places where we are struggling and fighting every day. And I want to help us fight sin. I want to help us to do battle with uncleanness. Why? Because number three, there must be combat. There must be combat. And forgive me, during this segment, I'm going to share a bit more from my own personal life because, you know, I really don't know how to share other people's combat stories. I only know how to share my own, okay? So, so I want to share a few more stories from my own life. You know, there are three ways in which I combat temptation and sin. But the first one, I believe, is going to be universal. It's to combat with the Word. Everybody say, combat with the Word. You know, we have this expression in English, remove and replace principle, right? And, we, and it's something that as pastors, we always say, and we really believe in it. I really believe in remove and replace principle. But today, I want us to look at this word remove and think that if you look at it wrong, then you can look at it right. But if you look at it wrong, you get the wrong picture. So I don't want you to have the wrong picture. If you look at remove and replace as, oh, I can come, like temptation is in your face, right? And then you say, I can remove this temptation, And then after I remove this temptation, the sin, I go like, oh, I guess there's a temptation-shaped hole uh, 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 where the temptation used to be right now. What should I fill it with? Oh, I guess I should fill it with the Holy Spirit. Now look, it doesn't work that way. Because the Bible says that the strong man doesn't get out until a stronger man comes in. So it's, it's, it can be removed, but what's really happening in the remove is that there is a displace and replace. In the displacement of the strong man with the stronger man, the stronger man immediately takes up, that occupies that space that the previous strong man was. You see how this is different? You see how this is different because in Zechariah chapter 4, God says to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So you can't remove if it's not being displaced by God. You have to stand in, when you stand in front of that that temptation to sin, you can't get rid of it you must displace it, immediate displacement, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what is that power? War with the Word. Combat with the Word. Because that's the quickest. Like, you know what? Maybe you're thinking, oh, pastor, I know what you're going to say now. You're going to ask us to memorize 500 scriptures and ask us to go one by one by one. But you know what? You don't have to memorize 500. You don't even have to memorize 50. You know what you should do? Memorize one. Because in real life, in real life, when you're facing that, you know what I've only ever gone to one and maybe it's good you start with one and along the way after you're going with one you might find like oh a second one comes in a third one comes in but you know what no one and start with one and battle with one good sword one good sword you know what's my one good sword Romans 8.13 now it might be different for you by all means but for me my sword when I fight the devil is Romans 8.13 if you live in the flesh you will die But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. So when I'm being stared down in the face by a temptation to lust or to rage or to bitterness or whatever it is, and it's just right there, breathing into my face, I go, God, If I live by the flesh, I will die. Fergus, you want to die? You don't want to die, don't die. So what must you do? Don't live in the flesh. I won't 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 live in you. Temptation, I won't live in you. Lust, I won't live in you. Bitterness, I won't live in you. Rage, I won't live in you. But how? How then? If by the Spirit, you kill the works of the flesh. If but sword of spirit, kill this temptation right now. Kill it, knife it, slay it, kill it, bomb it, kill it, gun it down, crush it. Whatever it is, do it. Just do it, kill this sin. Because if not, I die, but I won't die because the spirit fights, the spirit fights, and you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing? I'm praying, and I'm praying, and you know what God's doing, He's displacing. He's coming and He's taking that temptation and He is actively killing it before my face and replacing it with Himself. You must war with the Word. You must combat with the weapon of the Word. Amen? SRBKL, can we combat with the weapon of the Word? Amen? Amen? The second one. The second one that we combat with is this, combat with the discipline of turning away. The Bible says flee from temptation. But flee kind of has this feeling like, ooh, you know what? So wimpy ah. you. Cannot you're lousy, lah. you lousy, You're Christian, you say you Christ in you, the whole what? Lah? Flee from temptation. But how do you flee? Some days you just can't flee, right? Some, now for me, some days something drops, right? Like, like like some temptate, some tempting thing falls right in front of me. I just literally just pick up my phone and what bodo, I walk away. And then I go like, God, please, there is greater joy in you than that. There is greater joy in you than that, right? And that's one of the ways I flee. But you know what's another very, very typical way that I flee, which doesn't involve me getting up and walking away? Develop the discipline of not turning to look. And what does it mean? Now, I want to speak to all the guys here. Can I speak to all the guys, okay? And all the women, all my sisters, can you just pretend that you are so privileged to be eavesdropping at a men's meeting, okay? Guys, you and I know this, okay? You and I know this. It's quite universal, okay? If you're looking straight and there is a moving object, you look. If you're looking straight and there is a moving human object of the female species, you will look. You don't even need to see the face. You don't even see a lot. You just need to see the general outline. Your eyes will die. You will look, right? You will look whether you're walking on the street and you will turn and look, okay? Or, or whether you are, you, are, you are praying for someone. Oh, brother, I'm praying for you. And then suddenly, you will look. It's not like you are super up. It's up. It's just like, I don't know lah. I don't know. The, you know what the evolutionists say? You know what the evolutionists say? They say that we are hunters and gatherers and it is in our DNA to, for our eyes to catch moving objects. That's what the evolutionists say, right? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows, right? But you and I know we are not super hums up. It's just that moving object, especially of the female persuasion, eyes will look. Just look, right? Hey, you pray for someone, uh, and then you, while you're praying for them, your, your eyes are darting. They know what's there, okay? They know what's there, okay? Sometimes you're driving, also can okay, look. Hey, dangerous! Your new free series. You want you want to take this kind of risk. up. Uh. But you know what? What you pra- practice makes practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes permanent. You practice the wrong things, you have the wrong things made permanent in you. So when I was in my twenties, I was just like any other guy, right? A moving object, my head, my head will turn. Moving object, head will turn. Someone there, head will turn. Go up the stairs, head will turn. There, head will turn. Everywhere, my head will turn, right? Everywhere, my head will turn. Biasa only. Why? Because practice makes permanent. And I remember it was must have been somewhere when I was newly married. Um, I remember there was one day I was walking. I wasn't driving. I was walking, and and there was moving object. And sorry la, sorry. Sorry to use those words, I, I really don't want to, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I was walking and then the, the natural impulse for the head or the eyes to turn was that. And then God arrested me and He said, Fergus, don't look. I was like, what? La? Like, same lah, like, God, what lah, small thing only. Don't look, Fergus, don't look, look straight. I was like, Okay, quite serious. Okay, I'll look straight. Look straight, look straight. And if you're driving, right, it's like, look straight, and then pass away I like, don't look at that mirror, right? Don't look, just look straight, look straight. I'm like, okay, I'm looking straight, I'm looking straight until gone, okay? Then you know what he said? He said, Fergus, you wanna follow me, you look straight. You wanna follow me, you don't turn, you look straight. You look straight. You keep looking. You keep looking straight. You keep looking straight. You keep looking straight. And no, it's there. That's why you need to look straight. Keep looking straight. Don't turn. Don't turn. And then he said, he said, Fergus, I teach you something very funny. Instead of turning to look at that girl, you look at all the other men turning their heads. Very funny one. I tell you, very funny, very funny one. Very funny one. It's become a bit of a sport for me that I will look at all the guys and say, And i am mm, be mm, mm, mm. like, God said, Fergus, that's how you look. You look just like that. Now, I can tell you, la, okay, moving objects, turn your head to look, ah, yeah, what is that? Hey, I tell you, if there is an opportunity to make haram money, will you turn your head? Will you turn your head? Or have you developed the discipline to look straight and say, no, I won't turn my head, my eyes also won't that. I, I won't look to the left, I won't look to the right. I'm looking at you, careful. It's one thing, by the way, by the way, for our Muslim friends, how many of you know that for them, halal is not just about food? You all know this? Maybe some of you all have never heard this. For them, even income source has to be halal. And ASIBKL, how much more for us? Right? Imagine, you touch haram money, you bring it home, you spend it on your family. How can God bless? How can God bless You touch filthy websites, and you lie in bed with your wife. How can God bless your marriage? Can't bless, because if He bless, what is He blessing? What is he blessing? He's blessing what? A lifestyle of sin, is it? He's blessing a lifestyle of contamination. He's blessing a lifestyle of look, 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 look. Can he bless that? He can't and he won't bless that because he is not just one time holy. He's not just two times holy. He is holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. He cannot bless the filth. He can't and he won't. So, Combat with the Word, combat with the discipline of turning away and looking straight. And the last one is this, combat together. And with this, I will close. Can I have the worship team up on the stage? Combat together. You know, um, I've been training my kids to fight sin, right? Okay? So, so I ta- and you know what's the number one kind of like issue sometimes you can have with very little kids? They, when they don't get what they want, they throw a tantrum, right? So they get angry. Now, I thank God my kids have never done the helicopter on the floor, but they will, they will kind of like fold your arms and they'll pout and they'll salt and they pull the blackest face possible and go sit in the corner and like everything also don't want to do after that super disagreeable, right? Like. And, hey, they can hold that for very long one, okay? They go toe-to-toe with you, uh, okay? It can go for an hour, you know? So, so, so I've been training them that, you know what, kids? You have to fight it. This anger is not from the Lord. This anger is from the enemy. You learned before, right, that Jesus throws the enemy in the lake of fire. Throw this anger in the lake of fire. Cast it out. Burn it. Cut it get it out. Fight it. Fight it, kids. Fight it. you got to fight this. Don't let it take over. Don't let it take over. And so they kind of like, sometimes they're kind of aware of this. Then... Uh, some time ago, sometime last year, there was one day I came into my car. Like Athalia picked me up um, in the car, and she was there, and the kids were in the back seat, and I jumped into the passenger seat, and and I just experienced something that made me really angry, and I was so angry. I got in the car, and I just let rip. Okay? Like, I was like, I was just raging and ranting and I was so angry and I ended that whole rant by saying so loud in the car that I'm just so angry right now. <laughs> and then my five and a half year old boy, Elliot, pipes up from the back seat and you know what he says? He says, Papa, you have to fight this. And he immediately disarmed me because I was like, What the? What? And I looked at the back and said, Yes, Papa, you have to fight this. And by then it was gone, right? And I caught my breath. I said, You know what, son? Son, you're right. Son, you're right. I have to fight this. I cannot be so angry. I have to fight this. Thanks, son. Thanks, buddy. You're right. I have my son. Not every day I have my son, but that day I had my son. Do you have someone? Do you have someone who can come before you and say, bro, fight this, man. Don't I'm here with you. I'm here with you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to stand with you. We combat against sin together. Together. That's why we say together. We follow Jesus. Together. We build God's kingdom, right? That's why there is a togetherness, right? Fight sin together. Combat together. Amen? Combat with the Word. Combat with the discipline of of turning away from all those things and combat together. But you know what, in spite of all this, if I can have the musicians on stage, in spite of all this, there will still be days when we fall short. There will still be days when we fall short. You know, I tell my guys all the time, you think temptation knocks on your door. Sometimes people say temptation knocks on your door, you know, that's a myth. Temptation is not so polite. It comes and, dong. can I come in? If you don't let me come in, I'll just stand here, okay? And wait for you to... Hey, I tell you, I don't know what kind of temptations you face. For me, temptation barges down the door, comes right into my room, breathes down my face and say, you want me, right? You want me. You know you do. You know you do. Come. That's my experience. Temptation is not so polite. And some days, we still fail. I always tell my guys this, that a lot of times we say, oh, oh, that man fell into sin. Hey, you know what? You don't fall into sin. You walk into sin. As if to say, oh, I fell into sin. Oh, it wasn't my fault. The ground was slippery. Oh, it wasn't my fault. Someone pushed me. Hey, you know what? If you take a hundred steps to the edge of the slippery cliff, and you take a hundred intentional steps to that edge, and then you start dancing on the edge of that cliff, and you fall. Did you walk into it or did you fall? You walked right into it. SIBKL, temptation doesn't knock on your door. It barges in. SIBKL, you don't fall into sin, you walk into sin. Don't walk down that path. But you know what? Sometimes when we fall, when, when we fail, maybe a better way to say it, when we fail, we need that cleansing. There must be a cleansing. And this is the power and the beauty of being saved by Christ is that one touch from Jesus. 12 years, a woman with a bleeding problem touched the hem of his robe, immediately cleansed and healed. A little girl, 12 years old, died. One touch from Jesus came back alive, fully cleansed from death. Friends, you know what Haggai says? The holy meat in the fold of your garment, go and touch whatever it touches, cannot make all those things holy. You know why? Because holy meat cannot make you holy. Holy meat cannot cleanse you. There is only one who can cleanse you. And he was revealed in 1 john 1 9 when the word of god says that if you confess your sins and all the times you fail confess it before him he jesus christ will be faithful and just he will forgive you he will cleanse you of all your unrighteousness so you want clean hands you want pure hearts we're shooting for clean hands and pure hearts but what can wash away your sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Friends, I know maybe for some of you, you're asking, I'm not a Christian. I've, I don't know what is this, you know. Um, uh, I don't know what's all this about. Clean, not clean, I ah, yeah, just do only la You live one life, such a short life, enjoy. Friends, one day, you have to stand before the Maker. You'll stand before your Maker and when He looks at you, He sees only one binary decision, halal or not halal. Halal or haram? Are you halal before His eyes? You know there is only one way to truly be halal before the eyes of God, for the cleansing power of God to wash away your sin. And all the daily accumulation of uncleanness every day what can wash away my sin only the blood of jesus if you're not a christian i want to give you an opportunity to respond you might ask pastor my god also sinless my teacher my guru also sinless my buddha is sinless my krishna is sinless my rama is sinless my whatever is sinless I'm not here to debate that with you. I really don't have, I didn't come here to debate whether your Guru, your God, or whatever is also sinless. But I will ask you this one thing. How did He transact with you? How did He transact with you? Because I can tell you how Jesus transacted with you. He exchanged for your haram. He came to you and took your contamination, and He clothed you with His righteousness. Because there's no point if you're sinless, but you don't transact with sinful people. There's no point. You can be holy, you can be in your ivory tower, I'm still dying in my sins. There's no point. So you can tell me 50,000 people are all sinless if they never would transact with you. Take your filth and give you His righteousness, no point. All of us will still die in our sins. Only that one elite group will go to heaven. If you're not a Christian, I want you to know, Jesus transacts with you. He transacts with you. He comes before you. He says, I touch you. I take your uncleanness upon myself. You touch me. You take my holiness upon yourself. As if to say that, so that He goes to the cross, He dies the death, as if He was a criminal and a worst sinner of all, so that you can be cleansed. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, today is that day. Today is that day because you want to walk out of here cleansed from all your sins. Today is that day because you want to stand before your Maker completely acceptable before Him. All eyes closed. All heads bowed. If there is anyone here, you want to make a decision for Jesus for the first time ever. You're not a Christian, but today you want to stand before your Creator cleansed. Nothing but Jesus can cleanse you. If that is you and you want to say, come Jesus into my life, can you stretch out your hand at a count of three? Can I invite you to stretch out your hand? One, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and He's saying, it's not much, my child. Just stretch your hand. I will come and save you. Two, you will stand before me one day, but I will look upon you, please, because it will be my righteousness that I see. At a count of three, if you want to give your life to Jesus, Stretch that hand up. One, two, three. If there is anyone here, can you stretch your hand all the way up? I see that hand. I see that hand. Brother, I see the hand at the back. Anyone else who wants to raise your hands? Upstairs in the balcony. Little girl, praise God for your confession of faith. Anyone else? Anyone else? You want to make Jesus your Lord, your Saviour for the first time ever? Stretch that hand out. Anyone else? Anyone else? I want to make a second call, but still in the same vein. If you've walked away from Jesus for a long time, brother, I see your hand. Uncle, I see your hand. Praise God. Praise God for your decision. All of heaven rejoices. Jesus says that whoever acknowledges me in public, I will acknowledge him before all the hosts of heaven. Friends, if you want God to acknowledge you, don't be afraid to acknowledge him right now. If you want to receive Jesus, stretch that hand. But if you've walked away from Jesus for many years, effectively, you are no longer a Christian. But today, you sense and you hear, you know God has called you home. You know He's called you home. If that is you, I also want to see your hand. If you've walked away from Jesus for many years, but today, you want to give your life back to Jesus, can you also stretch your hand all the way up? Anyone here? You've been away from the Lord, but you want to come home. Girl, so good to see your hand. Praise God. Can we have a pastor or a leader over there? Anyone else, you want to give your life to Jesus? I praise God for the hands that have been raised. Lord Jesus, we want to thank You. We want to thank You, Lord God. SIBKL, can we give God praise? Can we give God praise? Now, I want to invite all of you, you stretched out your hand to come out to the front. You know why? Because because God is so in celebration. All of heaven rejoices with this, at this moment. So if you stretched out your hand, we want to join you in prayer. Come out to the front. Our leaders will pray with you. And the rest of us, can we all rise to our feet? Can we all rise to our feet? Because nothing can wash us, nothing can cleanse us other than Jesus. And for every one of us, I want us to all hold out our hands. We will pray with our new believers, but for the rest of us, just hold out your hands and allow the cleansing power of God to wash, to wash. Cleansing power of Jesus, wash. Can we all sing? Can we all sing this song? Hold out your hands before Him. The Holy Spirit wash Nothing wash every sin. Wash Jesus. every sin. Cleanse right now in the name of Jesus. Cleanse in the name of Jesus. Make holy Nothing in the name of, the Jesus. of Jesus. Oh precious, oh, precious is the If any of you, you're looking for any kind of prayer need, at all any kind of prayer you need strength to keep on fighting you want to stand before god holy you want to pray for your family you want to pray for your loved ones for your kids for your spouse for your parents whatever it is just come to the front we want to minister together with you and we believe that where the presence of god is here when we pray when we pray that we're standing with you in prayer so if you need prayer just come to the front as we continue to sing oh precious is the flow we believe that the flow from God is going to take place here and it will flow into all our lives. Let's sing this song. And if you need prayer, just come. Oh, I it. Let's pray. Oh, let's worship. precious is the flow Father we thank you Lord God that while we were dying in our sins while we were dying in our uncleanness you came you gave us Jesus and Jesus transacted with us to take on himself the punishment for all our uncleanness and give us his righteousness father we thank you Lord God I just speak a blessing over the whole congregation your family today gathered to seek your face. As I bless you with a blessing from God that God who is who called you will be faithful to you. And the journey, the struggle, the combat you are on, He will bring it to completion. And whatever He started, He will see. He will see you through till the very end. Only hang on to Him. Father, I pray pray that you will bless our people here today with hands held before you. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts with nothing but the blood of Jesus. So Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. We glory in your might and power and send us all home to be bright lights in a culture of darkness. Strengthen us and send us out. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance toward you and give you shalom. And all of God's people say aloud, Amen. Amen. Amen.